Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Hone sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Takers, Assassins, Adept, and Goblins? This is Stephen, Ben, and Josh from Phantology with a review of The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Buhlman, a book that we were luckily, lucky enough to get an ARC, an advanced review copy. And this was an audio ARC, actually, so we, we listened to this. And we had the pleasure of hearing from Christopher himself, who is the voice narration of the book. So uh, I guess there's a lot to talk about with this one. We're hoping to get this out right on release day so uh so you can enjoy it and we're going to start with no spoilers so i mean obviously the vast majority of people listening will not have read yet so no spoilers at first and we'll be very clear when we talk about specific plot points but for now let's talk about the black tongue thief because it's got a lot of buzz is it worth the buzz is it as good as we're hearing yeah so this book i'm just going to come out and say it like it really surprised me with how good it was I wasn't really privy to all this buzz. It was more like Steven, you're like, hey, we got this copy. Uh, why, let's, let's, who wants to read it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a cool premise. And it sucked me in in a way that a book hasn't done in a while. Like, I don't think I've read a book this year so far that has really sucked me in like this book did. Ben, agree? Disagree? <clears throat> yeah, so I agree. For whatever reason, the version I was listening to, when I sped it up, had this weird like echo. So it was always like really hard for me to listen. I don't think that's, that's not like, I don't want that to like be a turnoff to anybody, but you know how like, it just like sucked me out of the world a little bit the whole time. Hmm. It, it would be like if you're watching a movie and you had like a fly crawling on the screen the whole time or something. Well, you know? That is maybe unfortunate. I don't, I don't know why that happened. Cause I don't think we, ha- we experienced that. No, it was good. Yeah. That might be, that might be an iPhone bug, honestly, because no, I, would, I, I, I listened oh, on my iPhone. To- yeah i don't know that was weird like if i got above like 1.25 it was like this weird like double echo thing and i tried Hmm. you know i tried all the all the debugging things sure yeah but the (laughs) real quick though with the audiobook the narration good i didn't think it was the author until you like you said it was the author and i was like "Ah, i think steven's wrong about that because it was so good and and then i went and checked and yeah it was yeah the author and he did a really fantastic job with it. So I did a little research into the author, I mean, for this review, but also because I was interested since he read it. So I would have assumed he was Irish because of the mm-hmm. way that it was performed. But no, he's like from Florida. He's yeah. just an American. Whoa. But he's yeah. a playwright and a poet and a comedian. So he's just kind of like in the, you know, an actor. He, he's just in the field. So I guess, you know, one of his talents is voice narration and he does a fantastic job yeah it was very good very well done and i will say i haven't heard so many poems and songs narrated like since i read lord of the rings yeah definitely he doesn't actually so there's like a singing portion for these poems and songs that's not him it's actually someone else and if that was him i would have been even more impressed because the singing singing is very good it's it's really good like nice tenor singing yeah, very nice tenor. Just I, I usually don't like songs in books for whatever reason. It's just maybe a little bias I have. But every time that voice came out, I'm like, ooh, that's smooth. Well, even even from like a technical aspect, there's like a scene, and this isn't spoilers, but they're like talking about like how like a tenor voice and then like a, a bass voice and like a I don't know treble voice were like kind of mixing together. And yeah, even that he did really well. You know, the, whoever sung it. So he sang he up, sang all three parts yeah. in one is what you're claiming no 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 he didn't know but it was like just swap and then yeah. this voice came in and you could say it was like in the same you know um, right. um yes range. yes okay so okay so let's let's maybe tell people what this book is because okay we, we've you know we've talked about the, some of the aspects. things around it some of the random aspects to it but uh 
So the review, I mean, you can get this from the back cover, not the review, but just the, the little summation is a first person story. It's a narrative told from the perspective of our thief, Kinch. And this guy is very, he's very funny. He doesn't take life too seriously. Uh, the whole book is hilarious throughout. He's sent on this kind of mysterious mission. He travels across the continent. And I'm going to say this a few times, but I really liken this to a Dungeons and Dragons type adventure. There's a lot of those types of elements. So if you like D&D, you're going to like the book. I, I'm just going to guarantee that. If you don't like D&D, I mean, there's still a pretty good chance you're going to like the book because it's just very easy to read and it's it's funny. It's just a joy to read for the most part. You can definitely tell that the author has comedic chops because there are just scenes that are so outlandish and so that come together and work so well that it's the funniest thing I've read. It might be the funniest book I've read. Yeah, I can't think of a funnier book I've read. Maybe some stuff by Neil Gaiman is pretty funny. Um, I haven't read like Terry Pratchett, but this is like, it's a comedy in a lot of ways. Um, And it deals with some dark things, but even when it's dealing with a dark thing, it still manages to throw in like such a ridiculous joke or something Mm -hmm. that it's, it lightens the mood pretty drastically, even when something crazy happens. I I will say that some comedic writing, some of the, the, the wit reminded me a lot of Joe Abercrombie, especially because I was kind of like couched in these like dark, darker situations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can see that. It's much more on the nose. I feel like Abercrombie is so subtle. Like the whole time he's basically making a joke at his own expense, but here it's just very much on the nose. It's all supposed to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. The other thing, like you said, it reads really easily, which might take away from like the plot there is a plot and there's like a destination, like you said, where you kind of have a, like if you've done, done a D&D campaign, there is a goal you're working towards and most D&D campaigns, I haven't done a ton of them, but the ones I've done, right? There's like a goal and you do things and you're trying to get to a certain point or do yeah, a specific yeah. thing. And there is that in this book, but there's no, there's not super intricate, elaborate uh, politicking, chess moves. What, what are people doing here or there no, to keep track yeah. of? It's just like, okay, you're following this character. He's doing some funny stuff. He has a few married band of friends that he's doing stuff with and stuff happens to them as they're going to their destination. Often sidetracked. He's got the main place yeah. he's trying to get to, but then sidetracked in, in funny ways. I mean, not always funny ways, but it's not like the entire thing is just a comedy all the way through, but the sidetracking just kind of like slowly builds us towards the goal and unravels more of a mystery. There's some mystery as to what's going on. Basically humanity is at its knees after the events of the goblin wars, which it, it opens in the backdrop of, so that's not a spoiler. It just kind of explains this right away. And now we're trying to figure out like, okay, what happened here and what's going on with, uh, with this giant now with this, this threat of giants off in one of the corners of the kingdom. So um, there, there's some of that, but like you say, Josh, it's not, it's not super complex. I will say, I think it reads that way in part because like our main, like, cause it is first person and this person that we're following isn't at least at the start of it, like not like a main player in any of these kind of bigger events that he's going to be sucked up into. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why it feels like it's just kind of, you're just kind of along for the ride a little bit because that's what it would feel like if you were him. And then kind of by the end, you realize that there are like these bigger pieces of the puzzle that are being moved around. But it, it got to the point where for a certain portion of the book, I didn't know if this was just going to be a standalone book or if there's going to be other books that come after it. And it, you know, there definitely is, it is set up to be, to have more books. I don't know how many are planned or anything. It's supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. Is what that's I what read. it, yeah. yeah, that that's what it read like by the time it was done. But for a while there, I'm like, this this could just be a self-contained story, which I haven't read a self-contained fantasy story in a in a bit of time. So And even through even though I said it's supposed to be a trilogy, you could read the first book and get a pretty good story. Like I don't know that you're necessarily some people are concerned about going into a series, right? Because it's like, oh, it's it's a three-book commitment. I think you could be fine reading this one book if you don't like it you could probably tap out and feel like you've had a good enough story and you're, you're not necessarily mm-hmm. beholden to the trilogy. I will say in that aspect, so this one thing, one book that this book did kind of remind me of was Name of the Wind. And I feel like it could almost be like the first book of Name of the Wind. Like I, it's been years since I've read that book and Stephen, you would know much better, but like I felt pretty satisfied when I came to the end of that book. And there are more things that I want to know about the world, but I mean, it was a good book and I could appreciate it for that fact. 
That's right. And we, you know, with the first person narrative structure, obviously there's, there's some similarities. What, what other similarities come to mind for this one? I think that just like our protagonist, right. Kind of like this, uh, Liddy Protag, who uh, isn't afraid to take on people that are perhaps much more qualified than he is and kind of punching above his pay grade for most of the time, uh-huh. but still manages to come out just ahead. You know, I think it had like a lot of that same feel. He's constantly counting counting his purse, which uh, I feel like our friend Quoth does quite a bit. At least that was more uh, in the first part of the book. So I, yeah, I think those are some of the main similarities that I found between that and Name of the Wind. I think Dresden Files as well, though very different settings, obviously urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. But again, you have a witty protagonist who's punching above, punching above his pay grade and always kind of gets out of different scrapes and never takes things too seriously. By the, by the way, guys, it's punching against his weight, above his weight class, right? Is it above his pay grade? Weight class, but also you get paid depending on what weight okay. and what, yeah, what level of fire. I'm not a boxing expert, but that's okay. Sorry. Keep going, Stephen. Whatever, Josh. Go back. <laughs> Punching above his weight class. I'm, I I'm apologize to our boxing fans out there. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, my, the, the thought was done. The Dresden Files was the comp. Any other, any other comparisons? Yeah, Gentleman Bastards. For the obvious, this isn't a spoiler, but he starts off is in like a thieves guild. Like uh, that's just something about his character and it outlines mm-hmm. that in the first chapter or so. So it's not a spoiler. But um, there is definitely that part of, you know, you're following a thief that has a different set of morals than what a law-abiding, you know, citizen of today's world would have. Yeah, he, he's no lawful good. He's, this is not a paladin here. We're dealing with yeah. a thief. What, what, what would you classify him? Uh, that might be, let's save that for the spoiler discussion maybe because it, it, I think it changes enough throughout the book that I would want yeah. to get into a more nuanced conversation about that. Uh-huh. So would you say that that kind of reminds you of like Gentleman Bastards a little bit? Yeah, and it's pretty similar in both books. This is just vague for both books, but there's like gods that they have that kind of find different morals that they worship. And that's both the same in Gentleman Bastards and in this book. And so like the God is like a God of thievery. So thievery isn't going to be a, an immoral thing for them to do in either book. It's like a way to justify their, their actions mm-hmm. or their, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I definitely thought about that when I was reading. It's also got a very similar way of like writing style in it. I mean, a specific way that it's similar is it makes use of like fairly gratuitous swearing in comedic ways. And <laughs> that's something you should probably know. Like if you're going to be offended by frequent swearing, then you probably want to skip because there is that, mm-hmm. but it's not done in like a super dark way it's mostly for comedic effect yeah 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 and and in terms of other content there is quite a bit of violence there are some sexual situations i'd say nothing too sexually explicit right yeah it's it's definitely like an edgier book but something along the lines of what you get from a abercrombie only with maybe a little bit more swearing Mm, i don't i don't think it's more swearing than abercrombie I think it is. I think it is more swearing than Abercrombie. Yeah. I think. I think we overrate. I think we overrate the amount of bad language in Abercrombie. No it's way. Really... Abercrombie is not afraid to drop the c word when uh, when he wants to. I don't think this book ever did that. Uh, it drops some other things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, well, fine. I don't know. They're both. They're both R-rated when it comes to language. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it was as violent. As, I mean, there was violent parts. I don't think it was as violent. As... No, there are some like shocking parts. Yeah. Of the, one specifically, which we'll talk about. So, you know, if you are going to be like, have, if you're going to be turned off by, and it, it wasn't like on screen, but just like the, you know, the content you, you, of what was you, happening. Yes, yes, exactly. It's, yeah. There's some pretty violent situations that that you get described. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say it's somewhere in terms of violence, it's somewhere between Sanderson and Abercrombie. I would say it fits right between there. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are some other pros? Not pros writing, but well, pros, the pros of we, yeah. we talked about the pros, but the pros was uh, dare I say excellent? This I don't know. This guy was he's not like a super well-established author. This isn't his first work, but he's more of like a playwright. He has a few novels out, but this prose was very good, I thought. 
it's his first big fantasy mm-hmm. entry. I think he's mostly written horror and thrillers. But yeah, I mean, he captures the feel of the world and the, the character of Kinch and the first person narrative really well. I agree. And there's like, he did, he was masterful at ending chapters, I felt like, or segue or like giving you a very satisfying end to like a part of the book. Like he did that very well, which I think is part of prose. Like it's just like written in a way that just like leaves you satisfied, not really feel like you need to like read the next line, if that makes sense. Every chapter was like a self-contained, not necessarily adventure, but different concept of the book. Sometimes they were small adventures. Sometimes it was just like, okay, here's the next thing that we found out. Here's the next thing that's going to happen. It's, it's very much like a D&D campaign in that sense, where yeah. you, try and, you try and finish that night with accomplishing something and you accomplish it. And like, this is a natural endpoint for this thing. Like, right. even, yeah. Another pro, there's like a decent romance. And we were actually talking on our Discord about believable quality romances and fantasy there are some but not a ton this one's pretty good so and we're not going to talk about the specifics yet but i was like i was pretty involved in the romance i was cheering for the romance yeah Mm -hmm. i agree i agree and i love the concept of the romance too i thought it was very unique so and i guess i guess we started talking around spoilers a lot so do we have any, like, I guess we should give our final ratings or something. And then let's just say, you know, are, are there any, are there any negatives? Are there any reasons what, oh, you yeah. know, that this might not be your favorite book? So we talked about the language aspect, anything else? Yeah. If you're a very plot driven reader where you need a lot, an elaborate plot going on with a lot of connections to be made and a lot of, you know, moving pieces, then this isn't that it's not a song of ice and fire. It's not even a, you know, an Abercrombie in terms of, how many different things are going on and what players are doing what in the in the world so if you need that then this isn't going to fulfill that scratch that itch for you yeah i would say also characters like there's like a few really well-developed characters and then the rest like the b characters are like not developed at all right they just kind of like come and go so that's not that wasn't a great part mm-hmm. but I mean, I say that like if you're a fan of character work, you're still going to like this book because there's a few of the characters that are super well done. But yeah, the way that uh, the B-, B list of characters are handled is not great. Basically, if you like Kinch, you're going to like the book. If you start reading it and you're like, this guy's obnoxious or you don't think he's funny for whatever reason, maybe you just don't have a sense of humor. Um, you're not going to like the book. Like it, it doesn't change much from the first few pages. So if you don't like that tone, I mean, that, sorry right. to so, sorry to say you don't have the humor. I'm just kidding, but you know, you, it, 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 that's that's what it is. So it, that's your preference. Yeah. And it and could grow it. on you, though. His character could it, his character grew on me. At the beginning, yeah. he was somebody I would not want to be friends with, but then by the as I kept reading the book, I'm like, this guy is actually pretty cool. And it's not good, like he does grow and grow throughout the book, but it's also just you get to know him a little bit better. And okay. I, I got his sense of humor a little bit better, but if you're just totally put off by it, then I agree with you, Stephen. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I was a fan of him from the first page and I remained a fan. So I, I, it's one of the things I appreciate about the book though, is it doesn't like, it doesn't change a quarter of the, of the way through and like become something totally different. So, which sometimes is annoying when you're reading a book and you're like, wait, this is not what I thought you were. Mm-hmm. I will say one also could be a negative thing is, it is a bit of a less, like the author's not as proven, right? So like, we don't know, like I recognize that he plans for a trilogy, but like if you're somebody that's been burned by other supposed to be trilogies in the past, then (laughs) just, it's not a completed series. I think is what I'm trying to say. And we're not trying to say anything negative about the author there, but I think all you're saying is like, whenever something's not completed, there's always that grain of salt that you never know how long it may take, but it could be that this comes out, they continue to come out really quick. They're not super long books. At least this one wasn't super long, but yeah, yeah you don't, you don't know. Sure. Okay. You don't know. And I mean, especially when like an author hasn't like quote unquote made it, like it's entirely justifiable to be like, well, this book didn't perform well. I just don't have the resources in my life to like do another one, you know, and that like it's valid, you know? So, but I think it's going to perform well though. I do too. I hope it does. And I hope that our listeners help it, uh, you know, do well. So 
I mean, I was on the Wheel of Time fandom page, Dragon Mount, and on the main page, there's this big banner on the site for the book with a starred review from Robin Hobb. So, it, like, people are talking about it. And okay, okay. I mean, I in, in the booktube review that I did, I said it was the best book of 2021 that I've read. Heck yeah, well, Stephen. Heck yeah. Stephen Merrill is is an authority in these matters. That's right. Um, That's right. So it has Phantology stamp of approval. So with that, should we give uh, ratings out of 10 to close the non-spoiler? Yeah. I'll start. I'll yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, Josh. I'm going solid 9 out of 10. Ooh, 9. I, I think 9 out of 10. That hasn't been heard since Rhythm of War. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I even gave Rhythm of War a 9 out of 10. I think I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Not I that gave, this is I like, gave it 9. I, I, not that this is like a better book in every way than Rhythm of War is, but like I thoroughly enjoyed this book. And for what it was, you know, like Rhythm of War, you're contr- comparing to the other Stormlight books and all that. This is just in and of itself. I think it's a great book. Solid 9 out of 10. Um, I'm, I'm going 8 out of 10. And for me, that's a pretty solid rating. Like recent books that I've rated, I've given like 7.5s and those are books that I've liked. So eight's pretty good. There were a few things that I didn't necessarily love. Like I did think the plot, like the pacing kind of dragged in a few parts where it didn't seem super important. And really like I was there for Kinch because I liked him, but could the plot have been better? Probably, I think there's some room for improvement. So I, well, I really liked the book. I mean, I said it was the best book that I've read published this year thus far eight yeah fair okay i would say that i'm gonna go so i was gonna give it an eight to steven snuck my rating i, I mean, think you, that i'm gonna give don't it, let me influence your no, rating you can still give it an eight it's too late it's already influenced all right <laughs> now i'm just trying to decide if it should be influenced higher or lower i got it i gotta go seven and a half i think instead of going eight and a half i gotta oh, go that's seven a little and a half. low seven really? it's not okay. low seven no no I, I always skew lower than you guys I think that the issues that I, I mean we had talked about with like side characters that kind of brought it down for me the la- lack of plot kind of brought it down not lack of plot it had plot but it didn't have like the plot wasn't moving the characters forward in a very discernible way and so I kind of like like that's the thing with like video games I don't do super well with because I don't really like meandering and I recognize that a lot of times that's what fantasy is but like I just don't love that aspect of it so I'm not saying it's a bad book. I'm just saying for my personal taste, it's like, it's a little bit lower. So you needed more epic stuff. More epic stuff, or maybe just more of like a destination. Like I, I can kind of predict what's going to happen or I can try and predict it. I can like that part of it also like really appeals to me is like something to be excited uh, about. Like, right. You know, if we're into, well, I probably shouldn't say spoilers for Stormlight, but you know, the, in, Storm, in Stormlight books, there's like, okay, here's the big thing we're kind of going for that, you know, the, the plot hooks you right away and you're trying to, trying to unravel the mystery here. There was that a little bit, like he had his destination. There was somewhat of a mystery, but he didn't yeah. really care. And yeah, he's exactly. the one telling the story. So yeah. I, okay, I can see that. So real quick, real quick for me, I think that if you're to nitpick technical things about this book, it would be lower than nine out of 10. But for my just pure enjoyment, if I'm just like writing it based on how much I enjoyed this book, it's I've, I enjoyed this book more than any book I've read in a long time, I think. And I will say, Josh, your comments on Discord, like, oh, this is such an awesome book. Like, it kept me going throughout, like, the slower parts of the book. Because I'm like, oh, what what parts is Josh talking about? So, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that, too, like, hear, hearing that. And even though it, like, didn't feel as much to my personality, and that could have been, again, like, because of, like, the whole audio re- experience that I was having. Like, it just made me a little bit less excited to, like, listen to the book throughout the day, like, there could be like a bunch of confounding variables like there always is whenever you're reading any book. All right, let's move into spoilers then. And before we do, I should have, I neglected to give our plug for the channel. So if you like what we're doing, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com. Hop on Discord, which we've mentioned. Invites are in this video and in episode descriptions. Let us know what books you're looking forward to, what you'd like us to read. What I mean, anything fantasy book, like we have a little community, community there that's happy to talk about it. And uh, sub sub our YouTube. Help us out there. We're trying to grow on YouTube. We're trying to get to a thousand subs by the end of the year, and we are well on our way. We're at like what the mid eight hundreds right now. So yeah, we're we're kind of trending, but we need a bump. We need a bump. So help we us do get need that a bump. bump. Hopefully, this could be the bump. You know. Yeah. But we do. Yeah. The goal was to get a thousand before the end of the year, and we're kind of on track. But yeah, we need some help there. 
All right. So spoilers for The Black Tongue Thief. If you haven't read it, I mean, don't listen. Just just go read it and then come back and listen. Yeah, to if the you're one of those, like there's people on Discord all the time and it's like, oh, spoilers don't bother me. I'm like, what? what? Like either you're not planning on reading the book and you just like hearing us talk or they should bother you. Like, I don't understand maybe, those people. Maybe we are like so loquacious. Is that the word? Like yeah, we're able, we're able to convey, we're able to talk through the book so well. You don't even need to read it. I, I used to not understand these people, but then I found a few YouTubers I like that will summarize these Netflix, like kind of these streaming movies that Netflix pumps out or like other studios pump out and will like okay. summarize them in entertaining ways. And I know I'm never going to watch the movie because it just doesn't seem like it's that good of a movie. And in order for me to watch a movie nowadays, I have to like think it's going to be really good. So I'll watch like this 20 minute review of this movie that I know I'm never going to watch. And I feel like I've kind of seen the movie and hadn't been entertained by these reviewers. So I can kind of see where these people are coming mm. from now. So, anyway, but, but don't do that I for this book. That, Josh, you should read said, this book. We said either you're not planning on reading this book. I know, book. I know, but. So thank you for, for twins saying that to me. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're ready for spoilers at this point. So the book starts with Kinch trying to thieve this magical shield from this warrior maiden who we, or I guess warrior knight, really, who we find out her name is Galva, and she's going to be basically our, our number two side character, not number two main character throughout. So the hit doesn't go very well. She summons this magical bird, this huge raven, I think it is, out of her skin we don't learn that until later as well but this is kind of the hook and the introduction to kinch as a thief and then from there we start kind of getting backstory of the world and so on and, and the adventure kind of starts so i guess let's start by kind of talking about the intro like what what's still got what stood out to you guys so crazily enough i just finished reading the dark tower the first the first book in the dark tower series right before i read this book and okay. uh there's a scene in that book where a character uses a bird to fight. And I don't think that I've seen that like anywhere else besides like these two scenes. And so it was just like really kind of weird because <laughs> I'm like, well, this is weird. Like to watch this bird, like take out these people in this way. Josh knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I don't think it's that uncommon. You have Mulan, kind of. Okay, okay. The Falconer. Yeah, I, also, I also watched something when I was five years old that connected, I guess. Also, Gentlemen Bastards, there's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, I thought it started... It, it's one of those books where it starts just gripping you because of, you know, it sets up the scenario that's really exciting that you're like, am I supposed to be rooting for this person? They're like accosting this person just randomly on the trail. And then you see somehow get hooked into them and it starts off exciting it's it's a very unique to start to a book that i haven't been surprised by how a book starts in a in a fair bit so i loved it so i liked the start but i felt that after the start it really kind of slowed down like it took us a while from the start to get to the next thing because then we're just kind of like hanging out and eventually the takers guild comes and says like hey you got to do this thing and follow galva and then he goes and joins up with Galva and then he gets the cat and he goes and he gets put into jail. And the whole time, really like, if not for the writing and the humor and just the joy of kind of getting to know Kinch, I would not have been like, as I was looking through and summarizing the plot for this, I was like, man, this is like a little slow. Did I like this as much as I, I, as I did? And I think the reason is I just like the writing. Well, yes, but, but it also built the world out while you're getting to know Kinch, you're also getting to know this really interesting world of like this post goblin you know setting goblin war setting where a lot of people had crazy things happen and had like one thing i didn't even notice until the ending of the book when they pointed it out was that there were no horses because all of them had been used up by the goblin war so i think right. that there were pretty small things that really were uh, built out well in this world and i think the other thing is i was for whatever reason, I was ready just to kind of go to some inns and like eat and gamble. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and like watch my pro tag do this. Cause I feel like that used to be a real staple of fantasy. And then it just kind of went away and doesn't happen that much anymore. Whereas I was just happy to okay. see it happen in this book. Like you personally wanted to go to an inn? Or no, like you... I just, 
<laughs> I, I just kind of miss it when characters would just kind of be traveling and then stop stop in an inn and have you know a funny conversation and and build out the world a little bit and find you know a small thing out and just have a little bit of a fun scene yeah i agree with that i think that that's also kind of why it reminded me a little bit of name of the wind as i just kind of felt like this just joy of like sitting with this character and like these kind of like fun scenes i will say the beginning of it did seem kind of like that part of a DD campaign where you're just kind of like going around gathering your supplies and your like little information that you're going to like use throughout the quest like mm-hmm. so we said this feels like a lot like a DD campaign i don't know that's like maybe like if you remember playing pokemon it's like you're walking around the poke center like getting your like stuff put together yeah you gotta talk to everyone get all this gather all the side quests that you possibly can get, get your get your cat you know just whatever you need whatever you might need for yeah, this journey. you're a big fan of the cat i'm, I'm guessing bully boy Bully boy, yeah. I kind of likened it to Dresden's cat. I wondered who would win in a fight. <laughs> and I might mispronounce some of these names. I don't, I can't, I, in not having read it, I'm not sure if it's Billy boy or Bully boy or somewhere in between yeah. there. I mean, he does it all with this accent that I should not try to reproduce because I would do it terribly. But reading it or listening to it is fun for these. That just kind of adds to the feel, like giving it this Irish sense yeah, uh, kind of. I would have sworn he was Irish. into an old world type of thing. Yeah, I would again. I would have sworn he was Irish because, especially because we've like reviewed a few like Irishmen's books lately. <laughs> okay, so he gets put in jail. He escapes really easy. That that's not a problem at all. And then you know the Takers Guild is like, okay, seriously, you guys, you gotta you gotta follow Galva, and we're not really sure why, but we kind of get a sense throughout the book that the Takers Guild is worse than they seem it, it explains to us that if you're in the guild then you owe them this large debt and they basically control all the other guilds and, and this is like slowly doled out more and more to where by the end they seem to be the main antagonist and they've orchestrated most of the bad events and possibly even like the goblin wars and the horse plague yeah that's what i got by the end of it because they, they had stored all these horses on the giant so i think that they had they were planning on kind of taking over the empire, I think, through through weakening it with the goblin war and then have this whole artillery to come in and take everything out. It kind of left it open to interpretation of if they had orchestrated the horse plague or if it was just something that unfortunately happened. Right, like a gun, germs, and steel type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we assume that they did it, but... Well, I think that we were supposed to assume that was just like a disease that did it, but I think that they were probably behind it because it's kind of interesting that horses go extinct in office and you find this big cache cache of horses somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that one thing I will say that I really enjoyed, and this happened like in the last chapter of the book, we were like, kind of all these threads that didn't seem that important even like tattooing an animal on somebody you know what i mean like you're like oh i guess that's a thing that can be done but like then it kind of like starts kind of connecting back and you see it being used in new ways the tattoo magic is fun um it 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 slowly builds up more and more to where like at first you're like okay galva has this corvid tattooed on her and she can use that and then eventually they tattoo bully boy onto kinch and he's able to suppress the assassin that's inside bully boy that was kind of a complex but funny way of using the magic and then like you say by the end all the horses are on the giantess yeah although i'm not like i feel like that kind of played into the assassin adept's hands a little bit because she was like all right i just wanted to be taken to where i wanted to go anyway and now i guess you're going to do that for me because she ended up being able to get free like right when she needed to so that was very convenient for her and i guess we need to yeah. go figure out why, because I'm sure I, I, I meant to go reread it before this, because there's a series of things that they outlined of what could have freed her. Right. It was like if you're like bleeding in your dreams, though, like it didn't seem like those. No, were it, it was even lightning could free him. Oh, lightning. Yeah. Which then, would have made sense because she used the lightning ring on the crab that came out of the book. So oh, maybe so that's, that's what, what it was. That's what that's what did it then. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair, but that again, that's kind of like uh, like a lot of hand waving going on at that point. You know, it's like okay, like <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, well, this well, sure. I mean, because th- there is definitely a mix of soft magic and hard magic. Like 
at no point in the book would I have been surprised if a wizard just showed up and like bl- blasted everyone with a fireball. Like that well, would have been kind totally of within happen. the world. That kind of did happen when the goblin showed up, had a goblin wizard that just kind of... Sure, right. (laughs) Not blasted everyone, but... When the assassin busted out a time turner, you know? Dude, okay. But those are are the things that have been missing from my fantasy books. It's just something crazy and creative like that just coming up, just like this tattoo busting out with a steel enforced hand. They crank back the time Mm -hmm. by a few minutes and go redo the whole thing. Just... I know that it's easy to nitpick something like that and be like, oh, how did he recollect, like, remember it all after when he's retelling it? Or how did, you know, like, how would that work in terms of time paradox? But that's not what the story is about. The story is about having really cool things happen that would happen in a D&D thing, like where you roll a nat 20 on casting whatever spell. And, oh, yeah. And you can do whatever you want now because you're just in a cool D&D campaign. And that's what we got so many scenes of in this book. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, that, Josh, that's why you're able to enjoy this book a little bit more is because for whatever reason, you weren't like in it to nitpick it. You're just in it just to like enjoy the ride. And I think that's the like that's the best way to enjoy most books. You know? But I think it was written in such a way that it that really lent that. itself to mm-hmm. just go along for the ride because mm-hmm. the character itself didn't take it too seriously. Like, I don't like this. This book doesn't really relate to Shadow of the Gods in a lot of ways but I felt like those characters took themselves a lot more seriously, like each one of them and just characters in a lot of books, you know, that I've been reading it recently are all wanted to be taken seriously. Whereas this one didn't, it didn't care. Like he didn't, he almost didn't want you to take him seriously. The author didn't want you to take yeah, it seriously. He, well, one of my favorite lines in the book um, was when he like saw the Kraken and he was like, um, if you were me, you would have, or like, I, I almost pissed myself. Oh, I, I lied. I did. Piss yeah, yeah, exactly. You too. Like, yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. Like, I, I agree with that. Like he doesn't want to be taken seriously. Like he's like, anytime he like tries to make himself look good, he like immediately like, no, screw it. I'm just going to like tell you what really happened. <laughs> and, and I think if he was the master wizard and he understood all of these things, like there would be concrete ways and to some extent there are like the, some things are explained more than others. He does understand some things, but I get the sense that the magic does make sense, but like he doesn't know everything. So therefore as the reader, we don't know everything. And so there's some things that are more solid and some things that are a little more hand wavy. And, and I think that's fine yeah. because that's, that's the way it's presented. Yeah. And granted, I say that, that there's not these crazy intricate things, but the whole thing with the, with Nargul being the same as the, um, as dead legs it's dead legs that right. was pretty cool like that was a really cool twist that i thought made sense and brought itself together in an interesting way i yeah, don't know if that, i totally that understood weird. that <laughs> yeah i have no idea what happened like she is her but she's not like can they coexist at the same time well kinch doesn't understand people? yet either i think right, we're, right. we're not supposed to yeah. understand everything i don't think we understand everything but i think we i think it, it's kind of like what, what other and 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 like the pixar universe there's like the witch and brave that's kind of how i'm picturing this like the witch and brave is is the girl from uh monsters inc mm. it's kind of like that situation never, never saw I did not know brave that. you should watch brave okay. it's good i did not know it had a connection to monsters inc though yeah the little girl in monsters inc is the witch and brave apparently if you believe the pixar theories that sounds like a youtube deep dive that Moving you went into that. yeah <laughs> anyway Sorry, that got derailed it. So, okay, but so, so Dead Legs and, and Nargol, which I cannot for the life, I'm not going to pronounce her name right. He says it much better in his yeah. accent. Um, so anyway, so so they're the same to some extent. And he goes back and he like revisits the scene towards the beginning where he sacrifices a rabbit when he first meets them. And then the rabbit turns into a wolf, right? And he's like in the same way Nergal turned into dead legs and then later on when dead legs is hanging around she's like acting in the same way so they are the same but there's like a different time stream between the two we definitely don't understand that but I it's got to be something in the future because he's he's in future books I mean because he's very convinced or you know he has a he has a strong desire obviously to go find her because he loves her he loves his lass question moving forward do you think it's going to be about him getting back to Nargul. Uh, yeah, I'm terrible at 
the name too. But no, I think, think you did better than I did. <laughs> do you think it's going to be him getting back to her or him taking down the guild or a combination of both? I think it's going to, both are going to happen. Both? Okay. It's going to be uh, like an, a natural, as he goes to take down the guild, the adventure will kind of push him in that direction. Fair. All right. Should we keep going through a few plot points? Sorry, we've been jumping down and jumping around a whole lot. Yeah. So after he escapes from jail, they go off and kind of the first stage of the adventure, they go and they, they find the witch because Galva's like, we have to go find the witch. And they get this horse, this automaton horse staff thing, which was kind of cool. And then they get, she, he gets a warning about how serious the Takers Guild is. This kind of happens over time. I already mentioned that. And then that's like their experience with dead legs. There's kind of some weird off the wall things that happen. Like her whole tower is upside down and it's this very bizarro type of thing, but it, you know, it established that type of like, it established that the magic was very strange right from the beginning. So I, I enjoyed this, but again, looking back, I'm like, not all that much happened through this, you know, first at least quarter of the book. Fair. I, I'm not, I don't think you're wrong, but I was entertained the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as yeah. was I. So after this, they go and they happen to come across this bowl man mixling thing. And this is another part of the magic that is important to the plot. So as history went in the fight with the goblins, they had these two mages. I don't remember the name of one of the other. So, so one of them that claimed to be his father that guy's name was Fulvir. I don't remember the name of the other guy offhand. So they, he, he meets up with him much later on. But these mages experimented with mixlings, and then this gave rise to the Corvids, which were able to defeat the goblins, and, and that's kind of how they saved the world. But on the other hand, this is a very gray thing because they ended up experimenting with humans, which they shouldn't have. And so I, this, this bull man thing that is terrorizing the countryside is a result. So that's kind of the introduction to this part of the plot. And they go and they kill the bull man. They get in this fight. They cut off the head. They go to take it to get a reward. They don't get as much money as they thought they were going to get. And then we kind of go into the next part of the adventure where they're in the city for a while. And then they join up on this whale hunt. So anything else yeah. worth mentioning through that section? No, I think that was a good summary for me. Yeah. So they go to the whale hunt. And the, the idea is, you know, this is their passage to where they're trying to get to. There, there is a map, and I think one thing that you know maybe brought our experience down a little bit was just reading it and not always having the map to reference. That's no excuse because we were provided the map from someone on Discord who had read it. So thanks, Shauna. But uh, it, you know, it's hard to always reference when you're listening, I guess. But I did go back and look. So this this voyage essentially takes them to about like the north middle section. They started off in the very north eastern portion. So they're on the whaler, they go to kill a whale, and then a kraken goes. They, they're able to escape the kraken the first time, and then he gets into this little tiff with this guy named Malk, who he's known from his childhood. They get into this duel, this kind of fight to the death type thing. It's interrupted, luckily, by the kraken, maybe unfortunately, because the kraken shipwrecks everyone, and then they turn up on this island. So how is, I mean, this is like a more solidified portion so, so the voyage part, at least voyage part one, because they go on voyage part two shortly. So how is, how is voyage part one for you? I thought this part was great. I love seeing the Kraken. I love that it just like uh, completely wrecked the, the boat on the second time around. Uh, I thought it was kind of, well, that exaggerated, that, that happened fast when he was kind of arguing with the guy that was from his own hometown, right? Malk. They, yeah. yeah, Malk. Yeah, so that was kind of, a little, a little bit maybe contrived just to have something exciting happen on this shipwreck. But it, again, this it, we keep likening it to D&D, but this felt like when a member of your party just starts talking trash to like somebody that you know that they shouldn't be, and then they just like get a spat, and then the dungeon uh-huh. master's like, screw you, we're going to fight to right, the death. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, you get the uh, Kraken coming back, and I thought it was um, interesting. It, it, it showed some character development between him and uh, Galvar because I thought that Galvar, Galva, Galva sorry, the, yeah, yeah there's, not no, Galva. there's no R. Yeah, there's no R. But if he, he is speaking a pretty Irish accent, so it 
that's a little bit but um so galva showed a little bit more character growth because that's something i was needing from galva in this book i hope we get more galva in later books because she was interesting at the beginning of the book for me but she kind of stopped being interesting to me throughout the book and nargle became much more interesting to me than she she was so maybe that's just because it was the romance but it showed that she was willing to step up and fight for him because he was willing to like defend the honor of his family, even if it was in a foolhardy way. And that gave us a little bit of insight to her that we needed. So anyway, those are my thoughts about that portion of the book. One of my favorite scenes, which is the Kraken, like ripping the captain apart. (laughs) Brutal. I mean, it was just like, so it kind of like epitomized a lot of parts of this book, like just like, just some overly over the top thing happening, you know, where like the sees that the captain has like the tooth of a of another kraken or something. He just like gets super pissed off and just like rips them apart. Like so like just not afraid to just like go totally over the top of, of stuff like that. I you know, I appreciate it about the book. So and that was kind of the first of a few pretty dark things yeah. that happens that the darkest thing which we alluded to was later on with the goblins when they're on the ship where they just eat the harpoonist. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about the island real fast? Okay, yeah. Well, let's do the island first. <laughs> let's not go from somebody getting ripped in half to somebody getting, getting eaten alive. <laughs> okay, so in between being ripped in half and being eaten alive, there was a, a beginning of a romance on the island. And, okay. then, the, and then the goblins. So ate. the funny, okay, in my opinion, the funniest part of the book was when he goes and then he gets pulled aside by the assassin adept and right. they have that whole conversation next to the uh the body and then nargle comes to find him and he's just like chilling up there and then she and then you know they they go back and forth but he's trying to make up excuses as to why he's up there and by a dead body and why is that like with his cat yeah well, <laughs> it has nothing well, to do with the cat happening here <laughs> It was just so funny to me. That whole situation was just hilarious. And then, and then they, she's like trying to make moves on him. And he's like, wait, not here. You yeah, because he doesn't want the assassin adept to see. It was so great. Come on, this movie, this like, this seemed like a scene from, like I've been watching Arrested Development. It seemed like a scene that could have been written into Arrested Development or something. Just how over the top, uh-huh. cringe, like awkward and well put together it was. And then oh, they go back great. and like the and like the assassin had like eaten the the fish yeah, like, the community, got... like and he's like, well, I gotta take the fall for eating the fish. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a very similar part later on that featured the cat and uh and a mis a, a romantic misunderstanding where after they put the the tattoo of bully boy on him, there's there's a lot of like this is a, a loud thing because they've got to capture the cat. And so Galva busts in and she's like, what's going on here? And she sees him and Nergal together. And like the cat has a blindfold on. He's like, oh, okay. It's some kind of weird thing. You know, some weird sex thing is going on. But uh, it's none of my business. She, t- she tells the guy on the way out. Yeah, I thought it, it was super funny. I, I wholeheartedly appreciate this. Part of the book. <laughs> yeah. I totally yeah, okay. guarantee that you would like this stupid sex humor if you if you like that stuff. <laughs> so we, we only have a few minutes left, so let's kind of fly through the other plot points you haven't mentioned yet. So the goblins come to invade, and this was one of the more anxiety-inducing moments where they're trying to hide from the goblins. I guess the goblins aren't really invading the island, they just happen to be around. And they're hiding, and, and Nargul has like her her potion kit, and she is trying to hide under the rocks, but she's in like this awkward position where she's having to crouch down. And I was just kind of imagining basically like he's holding on to her and her muscles are basically giving out. And then right as they, the goblins are leaving, she drops her potions and they mix together and forms this giant fireball. And he's like, Oh, you know, maybe they didn't see that. And obviously they do. <laughs> and then it was very good writing too, with him flashing, they were all in the cage together. And then he would flash back and give you some insights into the little battle that went on and then mm-hmm. flash back to them. Moving. And I thought that that was really well done. And he, there weren't many flashbacks. I mean, the whole book's kind of a flashback, but that wasn't really used throughout the book, but I thought it made that exciting. Yeah, as as I thought that part was really cool, those flashbacks. I thought that the part where like 
she like Nargle or I think it was her that like told him like the fairy tale of like the journey that they were going to go on if they like weren't eaten I thought that was like quite a bit of like cool foreshadowing um I appreciate that part like a lot of like a lot of the parts of the plot that I did enjoy like happened in the, in this scene and at first I was disappointed I was like wait are, are we just going to skip over the battle and so I was really it was a nice payoff later on we're just you know a few, a few pages later we do start to you get the battle and you get, you know, how he almost took out the wizard and then later he does because the, the goblins all get poisoned. So this is where they, they eat the harpoonist. And that was pretty dark. And they, they, it was interesting, like juxtaposition as they were singing this song as he was being eaten alive. And yeah. Um, anything to say other than that was, that was dark. That was rough. <laughs> it was a good low point for the book. It got pretty low and you know, it, it was good. Yeah. Okay, so plot points for the rest. We we talked about well, wait, the. I, I, I yeah. want to finish up this boat thing because I felt like the, it was cool to contrast this with like when they are rescued and they're like chatting with like the I don't know like whoever's in charge of like the dock there and she's like, well, you got mm. one option. You got like a few options. You could like try and like blame the goblins and like there's like zero percent chance that like anybody listens to you and you don't end up dead through like being like ambushed on the road or hanging or whatever. Or you could right. just like say that you happened to cross this boat or whatever that situation was. Yeah. I thought like it was crazy that they were giving that like option, like right after seeing their like uh, these like somewhat good friends, like even alive. You know what I mean? Like it kind of, I felt like the contrast was there to make that scene really like stand out. And that was like the max amount of politics that we go through in yeah. the whole book. That was the max amount. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So after that, uh, they go, this is basically like the second half of their adventure as they try to make their way up to the very northwest section where the giants have come in. And now we kind of get more information like Galva is, has some relation to the, the princess here that they're trying to find. And what stood out to you guys in this last, this whole last area? I can give you a few plot points. So uh, Nergual and, the, and uh, Kinch make the moon wife vow. So the, the romance is, is consummated and becomes deeper and then you know throughout the rest like he really starts to love her uh which which was good like i i really enjoyed that romance part there's there's some scenes where he's sneaking through the cities there trying to get information about what happened to the espanthian princess slash queen Uh, there's the towers game which i thought was a high point for the book maybe that's one we talk about another name of the wind throwback or maybe even light Lightbringer, you know, like yeah. where they have like these kind of like complex games. But yeah, I appreciate that too. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's more. Um, it's more like five Five Kings. In is it Five Kings? That's the name of the Lightbringer game, right? I think so. Is it Four Kings? Dang, it's been a little bit since Lightbringer. Okay, so yeah, so I guess maybe should we should we do worst of the best right now? We only have a few minutes. I have a meaning, quick worst so. of the best. Okay, yeah, we can do it. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. So my worst of the best was Kinch's father? Question mark. Like I felt like it was good because like I'm I I'm all for the like oh this is like a bastard son of like this powerful wizard or something, but like it just was so convoluted and like he didn't really believe it. But even if he did believe it, he wasn't gonna make anything out of it. And even if he made something out of it, what was he gonna do? And like, it's also something that we think might appear in future books, but like, uh-huh. so there's enough there to like tantalize me, but not to like follow it at all. You know what I mean? Like, was this something I should spend my precious mental resources thinking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could see that. I'm with you. There. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I kind of hope it ends up to be nothing. And it's just something that they, that he was being teased with, you know, to try and throw him off his game. That's kind of what I interpreted it as, but. You're right. It could end up being something. Josh, worst of the best moment for you? Uh, my worst of the best was I would have liked a little bit more time in this kind of seedy underground 
with this conflict between the giants and the, or like, I guess this alliance, would you say between the, the um, giants and this group of people and that, that was chasing him and stuff and chased him down into that underbelly where he played that, that game with, like, I feel like we needed a little bit more details about all of that. Maybe I just went kind of faster at, but I could have used some more time with time there. Cause it seemed like there's this whole kind of crime syndicate that had, uh-huh. that had uh, gotten away from the influence of the takers that we could have uh, really gotten to know a little bit more. And instead we just got to know one guy, one horny guy that just wanted to, uh, you know, get with any moving thing in sight. It was very convenient. Like yeah. He's trying to get information and here he is down in the, in the underground getting the information and the way he's got to do it is play this game that he's already really good at. And he's got this luck power. That's going to help him. The, the game itself was awesome. Like that was a great chapter. Maybe, maybe my favorite. It was a great chapter, but I, I wish that we would have spent a little bit more time there to have a cool, because it was a cool setting, but you could it have, like, wasn't navigated to that point. Like yeah. had like a chapter before this found out who he needed to go swim. And, and, and instead it was just, he went into the city and then got chased by a giant and then went down the sewers and then found this place. Right. That, that's, that was kind of the process of events. There was yeah. another funny moment there where he observes some lewd graffiti on the God that was supposed to protect them from the giants. And then once he gets down there, the dude's like, Hey, did you, you know, did you like my art up there? <laughs> I mean, very, maybe not the cleanest of humor, but uh, it entertained me at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the PLT Stevens base instincts. But apparently, apparently. All right. So I guess my worst of the best, I think one thing we didn't talk about was this whole murder alphabet book thing, mm. which I thought was really cool and was set up well because he could read any language and the book's going to be important into the next book, the next book that is written, right? This, this murder alphabet book um, that is from the Takers Guild and has all this information. But I guess it just wasn't clear to me, like what exactly are we going to learn from this? Like, do we... I, it's interesting, but at the same time, I'm like, why is it interesting? Just because we're being told it is. Like, I could have been, I could have done with more. Like, okay, this is what we're going to get from it. I guess there wasn't time, but maybe like the giantess knew something. Like, how did she come to just have this book? Yeah, I, and maybe there were some details I missed there. But I, I thought the whole thing was just a little vague. Although I did really like it, and I thought it was a very unique idea. Right, like you're going to die unless you can read it. And you can only read it if you've learned and you can learn by understanding what the individual letters are. But, you know, once you go for it, it's super risky. Like you're going to be, you're going to be dead, but uh, Kinch is able to do it because he's brave enough, even though he, he probably pisses himself again before doing that. But uh, It felt very much like an Indiana Jones type, like, Oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. 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 I thought that was cool too. And that, that was like, where like you had this kind of like minor plot thread that like was, prevalent throughout the book but like you're like okay what's going to come with this and then like there's something to pay off at the end oh also speaking of minor plot threads can i just say another worst of the worst of the best or maybe just like worst in general the musicians that randomly followed them or were supposed to believe these guys are going to be important and the whole time kinch is like yeah they were following us we weren't ever sure why exactly and then they you know perform some kind of like spell of slowing or something on the on the giant which was kind of fun fun action where they were playing slower and then the giant moved slower but then they just got hit by a giant yeah (laughs) that was ruthless that was yeah that that was tough so i guess the the minor characters you know they're there but when they leave they 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 leave also also malk malk gets goblin yeah that that dude did that was like a tug of war that was pretty random yeah Yeah. that was kind of weird so these are just like fever dreams of the world you know yeah it was an exciting scene and it was it was a very cinematic scene as both sides were pulling on him but it's like why is this happening it's happening so fast and mouth like you're such an idiot but i guess he was so it, it made sense for his character i was kind of hoping that he that he and kitch would become better friends though because kitch doesn't really have many friends besides nargul and a mm-hmm. little bit galva but not really you know galva is his friend but they're not really friendly, you know? Yeah, I could have done it with one more side character that he could yeah. just kind of like play off of a, a little bit more. For sure, yeah. We need a comic relief from the comic relief, maybe. 
kind of like Jean and uh, yeah, Jean and Locke. Uh, yeah, like Locke is Locke is a little bit more like Kitsch, but he has Jean, who's a little bit more like straight laced and yeah. Uh, Maybe we just need we did need a little more personality from Galva. Maybe that's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be enough. Okay. Okay, that is our review of the Black Tongue Thief. So if you haven't read it yet, well, gosh, I mean. I hope you're not listening. We told you to stop listening if you haven't read it yet. <laughs> so let us know what you think, I, I guess, assuming that you've read it. Hopefully it lived up to the hype for you as well. Best book of 2021 that's been published. That's our, That's yep. our. Uh, we're going on record and saying that. All right, read it. Yeah, I, I, I'll stand behind it. Okay, watch out for goblins, giants, assassins, adept, krakens. Takers. Blind cats. Yeah, many things to watch out for, so... Um, that, I guess that's our new shtick at the end of episodes. We just tell you the, the enemies that we have overcome in this episode. Okay, thanks for listening. See you later. Thanks, guys.